Welcome back to the Kickstart Finance Podcast. My name is Tucker McLean, a teenager interested in finance and your host. Tune in to learn the financial tools you won't learn in school and career advice from professionals in the financial industry. Welcome to Kickstart Finance Podcast. Today, we will be interviewing Anz Gibson. I'm going to get into my first question here. What made you decide that you wanted to write a book? Yeah, that's a good question. So for those that don't know, I have a book called How I Defeated Lyme Disease. It was basically a battle that I went through for probably three to five years. I'm not quite sure when I had it, but three to five years overcoming challenges I never thought I would need to overcome. And it's pretty interesting looking back how it's revolutionized my life. Everything from health, financial, relationships, literally everything across the board. I would say Lyme disease was a blessing in disguise and it completely reshaped my life. And I attribute that to just being a fighter, not being a victim, finding the reasons to move on and find solutions and find problems and fix it. So that was kind of a building block foundation for where I'm at in my life now. And looking back, it's just been one of the best few years of my life, even though I was struggling the hardest. I think we grow through adversity. So why I wrote the book, I saw a lot of people in that same dark spot that I was in with Lyme and other illnesses. And I thought, you know, I can't be the only one that's crawling out of this. I know I'm not, but a lot of people just felt lost, especially with Lyme. If you don't know much about it, it's very, I know you do, but other people, it's, it's very mysterious. Doctors don't know much about it. It's not taught in the education system, in the medical industry. So it's really up to us to figure it out. And I thought, well, I put in so much time and research and money into figuring out how to do this for myself anyway. I need to give that back to the community and kind of shortcut people's suffering. And my book is very short. It's like 150 pages or something. And I tried to write it in a way that if you have Lyme disease and you have brain fog, it's, it's very easy to understand. It's not too scientific. That stuff is there to validate some things. But yeah, I just basically wanted to give back to the community and try to add value to people that are suffering and hopefully see some results in their lives. So I noticed that you had a, like, a financial chapter within your book. What made you decide to write that or include it? (laughs) Yeah, so I believe, so I was obviously going through a health issue, right? But finances are an area in your life that will affect every other area in your life. What do I mean by that? I mean, if you're in a relationship, let's say you're married, you have a spouse, you obviously most likely share finances, (laughs) you share money. If you're not on the same page, there's going to be some conflicts. If you're struggling financially, there's going to be some conflicts because what does that mean? It means you're not, you're not able to fund the lifestyle or do the things that you want to do, or you're working harder to afford just the survival basic necessities. So obviously finances plays a big part in relationships. Same thing with health. With the Lyme, I had no insurance that was covering any of the stuff I was doing because it was all, you know, alternative mainstream health doesn't cover any of the stuff that I had to do because it's not considered a mainstream treatment. So there was one month that I was spending 
Oh man, probably 750 a week on some of the treatments. <laughs> that was yeah. ozone treatments. So that adds up pretty quickly. So I was thinking, okay, I've been blessed to, through my Lyme research, learn these financial principles because I had to figure it out. I had to figure out how to afford it. So I thought, okay, this is a crucial part of health and wellness too. It's not just being rich and having a successful life. It's no, if you don't have your finances down, it could affect your health. Once again, your relationships all across the board, anything in your life. It's not that the focus should be on money in your life, but if you have figured out the money problem, the rest of the issues in your life will be smoother. Sure. And currently in the education system, there's like a lack of teaching it. So what are your thoughts on that? And how do you think it should be like reformed? Yeah. Tucker, I saw this question you sent ahead of time and I got excited because it's something I think about all the time. (laughs) And I love that it's coming from you and you're still currently in school, correct? Yeah, I am in school and I'm definitely noticing the lack of teaching of it. Like, yeah, me personally, I didn't even know like what like a mortgage was. Like I knew like Mm -hmm. what like the word mortgage was, but I didn't really know what it was until like maybe a year ago, three months ago. And that's probably early compared to most people. So, yeah. Have you had any financial classes at all? No, I've never had a financial class in my school. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Just yeah. wild, right? Like, why? <laughs> well, you bring up a good point. Not knowing the term mortgage, right? And you could apply that to any financial word. The term financial literacy, when you break it down, it actually is referring to understanding the words of the financial industry. And that's half the battle. If you can understand part of that dialogue, you can kind of navigate the system a little better. And we're not taught any of that stuff. Not even to say financial principles that you can use in your day-to-day life. So I believe it's not a mistake that we're not taught this stuff. And I don't want to get conspiratorial, but if you look back at who has created the education system, they basically have large ties to the financial industry as well. So basically, the education that I got through my school was not how to do better financially in my own life, but how to become a better asset for the bank, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that's, what a, that's what a credit score is, really. It's the bank ranking you to see if you're going to be a good asset for them. So yes, we need a high credit score in our system to get an apartment or get a house or get a loan or whatever but we're not realizing what it's actually saying for the other people. So (laughs) I think we should start in the school system with principles, right? What are principles? Just the basics. So the things that have changed my life, I talk about briefly in my financial chapter. Number one is pay yourself first, right? Like you are the person earning the money. You should be the one that's paid first. And what do I mean by that? It means, let's say you get a bi-weekly paycheck. We're so quick to just fill that even before we even get it, right? Like, okay, half of this going to here, half of it's going to there. And then we forget about ourselves. We're not affording our own future, our own livelihood. So, you know, people recommend 10% off the top. I think you should work up to be 20 to 50 if you can eventually. But you take that money and you put that aside, lock it up in an account right away. And don't touch it, you know, until it builds up and then you can invest it later on. But I believe even if you have bills that are knocking at your door, I think you should pay yourself first and then pay those bills later on. 
And that way you're training your brain what's important. And also you eventually become your own bank, right? Once you have this accumulation, now you don't need those other people. You don't need these other bills and loans. You have this stockpile that you've been accumulating. So that's principle number one that I, I go after. You want to elaborate on this topic? I have a few other things. Oh, yeah. I think that's actually kind of very interesting because mainly people always say, like, pay your bills first. Because, like, as in your book, I like read something that was like 70% of people die with a credit card debt. Yeah. So I feel like that's a large number of people considering 70% of the population. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's very important to invest, though, because, like, mm-hmm. you want to kind of, like, expand your wealth. So I agree with your, like, principle. It's definitely easier to have wealth growth yeah it's unfortunate you know i'm very interested in investing of course but the people i talk to they're not even at that point you know yeah we've been so ingrained into the debt system of the world that people are so strapped they don't even have an extra ten dollars to put into i don't know a robin hood stock or you know something anything gold silver whatever it is they just feel like they they don't have that extra money because we're you know, working two jobs to try to make ends meet for what we think is our survival. That's another thing too. In our country, especially, we think our necessities are necessities when they're actually not. They're luxuries. If you go to like across the world into some poorer countries, you'll see the things that we think we need, we do not need at all. And that's what I see people spending money on. You know, new shoes. How many shoes do you need? How many pairs of suits do you need? It's it's like kind of ridiculous. And I think that's my other principle. If you can cut back on that kind of stuff, live below your means, you'll find extra money. I guarantee the average American especially can cut back on, you know, how much are cable bills nowadays? Like 80 yeah. to 200 bucks. Sure. <laughs> really expensive. Yeah. And even, you know, even internet cable packages have come down a little bit, but my point is you don't need that stuff. If you're not investing, you don't need cable. That's what I would say to you. <laughs> yeah. Like also it was like, there's comes a time where like you always have like a rainy day. For example, this year was like COVID and mm-hmm. it's very like important that you like save money and like for when a time does come up like this and you're able to live your life. I, have you ever read Napoleon Hill at all? No, I've never read Napoleon Hill. Okay. You know, he is keys to success and think and grow rich, that author. Yeah. I, yeah. I've heard of him. While we're on the education topic, I I have a book here that was hidden since 1938, and it was just released this decade, and it's called Outwitting the Devil, and he addresses the educational issue back in 1938, and there's a few things I just want to point out that he, this is his version of what needs to happen in the school system, and it still applies to today. Can I, you mind if I read a few things? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, so... I'll just go quick here. These are the things he thinks needs to change in the education system for financial education and beyond. Okay, so reverse the present system by giving children the privilege of leading in their schoolwork instead of following orthodox rules designed only to impart abstract knowledge. Teach the students how to budget and use time. And above all, teach the truth that time is the greatest asset available to human beings and the cheapest. Teach children what to eat, how much to eat, and what is the relationship between proper eating and sound health. Very important. (laughs) That's another thing. We we don't get, at least I didn't get nutrition or anything like that, anything to teach you health and wellness other than 
there is a health class, but they don't teach you proper nutrition. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> teach children to be definite in all things, beginning with the choice of a definite major purpose in life. That's important. Teach children the difference between temporary defeat and failure and show them how to search for a seed of an equivalent advantage, which comes with every defeat. He goes on and says, teach children cigarettes, liquor, narcotics, and overindulgence in sex destroy the power of will and lead to the habit of drifting. Don't forbid these events, just explain them. Basically, I wanted to let Napoleon Hill tell you what I think should be changing the education system. It goes on and on. I could continue, but there's so many important things about life that why don't they teach us? <laughs> yeah. That's bizarre. I agree. <laughs> Another very important thing that I've learned along the road that I didn't learn in school is how to navigate relationships, right? <laughs> our, our relationships are so big in our life and we're just thrown into them as if we know how to navigate them. And we don't figure it out until decades down the road when we've ruined countless <laughs> love lives and best friends and whatever. But you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm perfect with relationships, but I've learned a lot of the issues start with me, right? Like, is there a jealousy issue that I'm projecting onto someone that's trying to control them because of that? Maybe. So let me work on that jealousy issue. That's what I mean. You know, it starts with us starts with our flaws and our insecurities. If you can identify those and then shape them and figure out how to overcome them, now all of a sudden you can let people be free because you're not insecure and trying to control them so they don't expose that fear. It's pretty interesting. And I believe that stuff should be taught in the school system. So we're not just navigating blindly. So it's kind of like leads to like human growth and like learning exactly. your flaws and then adapting to them and learning like to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. Self-development, I think, is one of the most important things and zero focus of that in the school system. Yeah, I agree. Coming like being in the school system now. So what would you say your favorite part about writing your book was? Yeah, I would say the learning process, right? I've never written a book before, before this. And, you know, it's just like anything. If you set out to be an entrepreneur of some endeavor, like, you know, you with your podcast, I'm sure you had to learn different skills, your website and all that. It's cool because you, you set out with a goal in mind. Okay, I want to get this information that's helped me to help other people. How do I do that? Okay, so I obviously, no, I, I can write a book. So I start writing. And then along that way, along that journey, it took about three years, just so you know. Along that journey, you start realizing oh, shoot, I don't know how to, you know, make this one complete package. I don't know how to create a book cover. I don't know how to even publish this, print it, get it to people. So you start researching and figuring out all this stuff. And now I know the entire process to concept, write, and put out a book. And it's pretty cool. So that's been my favorite part, not only creating that, but now that it's out and I'm seeing people like, messaging me like, Hey, this has been great. Like it's really helping me. It's really inspiring to do other things. I, my book's not just about Lyme. It's really about the systemic change that I went through. And like I said, it affected all the areas, financial relationships, whatever health, spiritual. And it's, it's cool seeing other people get that, right? It's not just, Oh, you helped my Lyme. It's I'm inspired to sort of look outward and, and start learning this other stuff. So I think that's been the coolest thing, just seeing the feedback and seeing that, you know, it is adding value to the community that needs it. There was like this, like, I forget, it was maybe this like one guy 
he like said something that was like even having like a failed business you still are like earn the biggest gift of all the knowledge of knowing how to run a business yeah. so i feel like that kind of like relates to your like your book even though it's like your book is definitely not like failed but like it's still you still learn the process of learning how to write a book or learning how to run a business and all yeah absolutely you know that's why i also think the school system's flawed right because the whole thing is to groom our minds to basically be like memorization devices right in order to take tests of these of this stuff that you've memorized and if you don't memorize properly and you fail the tests now we've failed and we don't pass and it's it's doing two things one it's not teaching you that failure is okay and how to move on from that and how to learn from that and move on and it's also teaching people that like the mere memorization of useless facts is the scale of intellect that we should be evaluating people from which is not true at all you know and that's why i think you know, there's people like people with autism that really struggle in school, but I think they have, a lot of them have a more creative brain that struggles in that very left side brain hemisphere box that just can't sit still for eight hours a day and look at, you know, a, a Scantron sheet and fill out <laughs> multiple choice tests. Yeah. It's really hard for people to do that. And honestly, if you look at a lot of like, you know, high successful people, they've dropped out of schools because they weren't wired that way you know they're wired to just be creative and problem solving and i'm not saying if you go through school and you're successful in school you're not that you can be but it's not the scale that i think we should be sort of evaluating people's intelligence on <laughs> yeah there's like this book that was written it's called learning outside the lines it's like mm -hmm. about these two kids that kind of like struggled like through school because they had like learning differences they like kind of like went into the education system and said it, how it was kind of flawed. Like how you were saying how your smartness is measured on like whether you could spell a word rather than your creativity able, ability to think outside the box. Right. Which is like, which is kind of like what you said. And then I also saw this like other thing. I think it was in a podcast where it was like some guy was talking and he goes like, I'm saying you should like still go to college, but he's saying college is kind of like an interference because like, or a hoax because you spend like so much money on college or you could take that money and build a business and you learn more about building a business and more about real life situations than you would ever in college. Yeah. That sounds like a good, but what's it called? I'm going to write that down. Uh, it's called learning outside the lines. I don't remember what the podcast was that I watched, but Okay. If I find it, I'll let you know. Yeah, you know, I'm split on college. Obviously, college, if you want to be like a specialized career, you know, obviously if you want to be a surgeon, you should not not you need to go to college. You need to go to school college. and all that stuff. Yeah. But for the average person that doesn't know what they're going to college for, and especially if you're going to a four-year college right off the bat and not a community college, like there's nothing wrong with a community college especially if you don't know what you're doing, start there at least if you want and or start thinking of ideas that you can add value to society. And that's what successful businesses are spawned from. How can I add value to others around me? And where is there a lacking? Where is there a niche that I could find, you know, how to add a service or a product or whatever. But if you take that, even just the first two years of college tuition, 
And even if you put that into uh, you know, like a pretty safe stock index fund, like a, a total stock market, S&P 500 or something, what that could do over the next 40 years, you could probably retire off of that in, a, in an average market cycle. So, you know, it's just something to say rather than before you throw money down into college, if you don't know what you're doing, maybe look at the other options. And like you said, start a business along the way, side hustle, whatever. What do you think about what was the hardest part about marketing your book is? Oh, marketing. <laughs> Not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> That's still something I'm figuring out. I think the hardest thing for me is I'm not like one of those people that can like arrogantly shameless self-promote. So (laughs) I think the hardest part is like a mental block of like, I feel sort of weird, like pushing something that I've done onto other people. And I know there's a way to do it where you're creating value and you look for the people that need the value, but it's still a little weird for me that, you know, I've never been one to advertise myself. (laughs) So I'm um, usually a pretty quiet guy. I'm INTP if you follow the personality models. So uh, it's it's a little weird, but I just remind myself that it's here to help people. And, you know, people ultimately make the choice whether they want to get the book or not. So I'm just there to sort of say, hey, this exists. If you want it, hopefully it can help you. So I'm not like trying to be pushing advertisements that are like, you know, trying to capture people that don't need it. It's just there. If you need this, here it is. It exists. So yeah, there are some mental blocks I had to overcome, but you know, I still don't, I'm not a great marketer. I know that's probably a valuable skill that I will eventually dig into more, but (laughs) yeah, I'd say that's the hardest part. And also with, with the field that I'm in, it's, it has to do with health, right? I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert in anything. So I have to do it in a way that's like not making any medical claims. <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah. say this will heal you. It's not going to fix your Lyme. It can, right? That's my whole thing. It, it, this may help you. I wrote this to shortcut your suffering in hopes that it helps you, but I can't say, you know, here's the cure for Lyme disease. <laughs> yeah. Besides writing your book, have you worked on anything else recently? Yes. I kind of always have some kind of project going and I get bored sitting still with <laughs> just working and, I don't really watch TV or anything, so I need something to do all all the time. I'm a very creative person. I was raised musically, so I have a music project I'm working on. It's kind of a, I got into like electronic dance music a little bit, and I've been creating songs. I'm about five songs into an album right now. Probably eventually put it out under my name, just Anne's. (laughs) So that's been exciting. It's been great, Tucker, learning all the, the tools of the audio programs and I was in a band before this for 10 years. So I know music. I just didn't know like the production and the the audio programs as well as I've had to learn. So between that and I run a t-shirt company called true vegan love through my process of going through Lyme and became a vegan. And I saw it's a very, it's a very proud community (laughs) and I always want to wear, you know, vegan shirts and stuff. So I created a print on demand company that, it's trueveganlove.com. People can go on, find a shirt they like, they order it. Another company prints it and ships it right to them. I don't really handle any of that stuff. So it's kind of like a nice hands-free business. And I like, you know, running that and designing the, the shirts and all that stuff. And then also researching finances and other stuff. I'm, I'm a lifelong learner, so I don't feel like I've ever made it. I believe if you're not growing, you're dying. So I'm constantly learning and working on the next thing. <laughs> 
So yeah, other than that, those are my, my main three things that I fill my time with. It's very interesting that you have like such a wide variety of different hobbies that are extremely interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's a way to keep your mind sharp. And also, I think there's something to say about talent stacking. I don't know if you follow the Choose FI podcast, Choose Financial Independence. It's a pretty cool podcast. But they talk about talent stacking and how over time just start learning random skills that you might think you don't need. And, you know, say you learn graphic design one year and then you learn video editing. Before you know it, you could pick up a side gig of being a graphic designer for people on the part time and you could really uh, find your way into some niche income that you didn't know you could possess and <laughs> it's pretty neat. Yeah. So, And also it's just a, a cool way to view the world is seeing all this different stuff, different industries and seeing how the world works in those industries. Very interesting. Thank you so much for coming on today. If people want to read more about your book it's on amazon thank you yeah tucker thank you i want to just say i I love what you're doing for the community and people your age definitely need your skill set in financial aptitude and i i love just just keep going keep doing what you're doing you'll find your way and i think people will be drawn to your you know your motivation to get this word out there and we'll create value for the community and hopefully people have a better life because of it I hope so too. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Tucker. Thank you for joining us today on the Kickstart Finance Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review so others can find it. You can discover more information in other podcast episodes at kickstartfinance.com. Have a great day and I'll see you soon.